Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. You are tuned in to Arts on Fire right here on 107.9 WRFA. How you doing out there? I'm your host, Anthony Merchant. Right now, I am talking to author, artist, speaker, and herbalist, currently the uh, CRNY resident artist for JCC. I got Casey Colburn in here with me. Thought we would uh, kind of talk to her. She has lots going on. I mean, it's really not just... Sometimes people come in, we have like one thing to talk about. I think we have a lot to talk about with Casey, so we'll get into it all right now. Casey, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me here. Oh, absolutely. I feel, I'm surprised we haven't had you on sooner, just again, for how much you like do in the area. I feel like you're very busy like doing a lot. So like, I mean, let's let's start off, like I did just mention, you are currently the uh, CRNY art, resident artist for JCC, so I thought we'd start with that a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is, what the CRNY is, how your kind of position came to be, and how that started for you? Yeah, so it actually um, it came at a weird time. Um, so I saw the ad on Facebook, and I'm like, I don't know if that's like real or not. You know, it, it seemed too good to be true. And uh, but the the folks up at the Ganondagon actually are the ones that like shared it and posted it, and I'm like. I, I trust them. They're not going to post spam, you know. And uh, so I started looking for an organization, and unfortunately I couldn't find any on my own. And I started working at the Seneca Museum, and I was talking to the director there at the time, um, Joe Stallman. And he mentioned that, you know, while they had filled up all of their spots for their for their application, he knew Paula Pichon, who, you know, she does so much for the city and um, JCC and the the Senecas and uh, so he connected me with her it was the day of we had to jump or forget about it and uh, she connected me with JCC we filled out the application did everything we were supposed to do for it and we got it nice nice and um, I've just hit the ground running and I haven't slowed down since (laughs) how long have you been there now now in that position how long has that been going on now for um so I am in the middle of my two years oh nice I've only got the um, one semester left to go and uh, it concludes in June oh very nice I know recently I I guess by this time it's over but I do up at JCC at the uh, Olean campus you just had a uh, exhibit haunted spaces Mm -hmm. like what kind of what was that about I I sadly not get a chance to see it but I got to see like some some kind of photographs and got to see the press release and stuff looked really interesting I mean you want to talk a little about that I know I know it's over but it looked like a really neat exhibit yeah so um, I wanted to do something a little bit different you know um, sometimes when you're indigenous or you know cultural um sometimes you kind of get boxed in Mm. and um i know from talking with some of the students at jcc they sometimes feel that as well so i've been trying to really do things that are very relatable to them um and so i wanted to say look i'm an indigenous artist because i'm indigenous and i'm an artist not just because i do traditional indigenous art Mm. you know so i didn't want to get kind of just 
boxed into only having to do beadwork and corn stalls and ribbon skirts. Although I'm very passionate about that. I love my culture. I love the idea that I can share it using this forum. But um, I'm also a charcoal artist and I'm, I also do digital art and I also do, um, I'm, I'm in no means like professional with it, but I like to dabble in photography and do different things. So I wanted to really kind of like show that and show that my identity as an indigenous artist didn't go away because I didn't do or surround an exhibit around native art. So there was a few pieces in there. So I did have a Ghostbusters um, contemporary design for um, a necklace that I made out of beads. So I did a beadwork necklace in the like traditional way, but I did Ghostbusters and I made it look like slime oozing down the necklace. Oh, and nice. um, really, I'm very proud of that piece. Um, it's got the earrings are like the size of like a teacup dish each. Very heavy. Oh, jeez. And um, one is the Ghostbusters logo, and then the other one is Slimer. And uh, so I just, I had a lot of fun doing that. And I, I do like to bring contemporary um, touches to the traditional ways um, and just kind of blend them because I think, you know, I, growing up, like I'm a huge nerd and so pop culture and things like that, like it's a part of me. So just putting the two together just kind of makes sense. Nice, nice. I mean, again, you do, like you were just talking about, you do so much within art. It sounds like there's so many you know, facets of it, different things you can do. Kind of where's your interest and passion for art kind of originally come from? Like what's, where does that all begin? It sounds like you've kind of jumped in and done many, many different parts. You know, you've done a lot with art, but where does it all kind of begin for you? So I think just growing up, I mean, my, my dad used to um, make like wooden toys and things. Oh, so nice. um, he, he loved like woodworking and making things. So he was very creative. And then my mom is also very creative. She's the one that passed down the traditional stuff to me. But she also, she draws, she does crochet, she does a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, so I think just growing up in a, a creative household, uh, my brother, before he went into the military, he was like real big into drawing. Um, and he had his own like gallery exhibit at um, GHS when he was going to school. Oh, really? And uh, of course, then he went in the military and got busy with, with life. But um, so, I mean, the whole, the whole family is very talented. My niece is a photographer. She's got her own business. Like, uh, my sister is now applying for uh, another a little uh, resident grant for Seneca Artists at RTPI. Oh, wow. So we're just, we're all very creative. Um, and I think being around different talents and stuff, you, you do kind of pick up on different things. You kind of dabble in a lot of different things. So I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself like professional at any of the stuff. Other people might, um, so it might be like a, a like modest view of it, but I I don't want to think that it's perfect because I want to know that there's still room to grow and do more with it. So, um, and I like to explore different like mediums and different things. So like at the Seneca Museum, I have a whole, um, she's like a four foot by two and a half or something um, on canvas, but she she's called the crying woman. I did her completely out of lipstick. Oh, wow. And so, you know, it's, I kind of, it's a very feminine piece and um, it's to talk about MMIW, which is the Murdered Missing Indigenous Women. Um, so if you don't know what that is, 
Sen- uh, Native American women, indigenous women, are the top, not of the, but the top for, uh, 14% of human sex trafficking. Oh, so it's that's a large number. Yeah. And um, we don't have nearly enough, like, info like going out into media and to the public about it it just nobody really talks about it so I said well I'll talk about it and uh, I thought about like making her I did her digitally at first and then I thought about you know putting her on canvas but what would that be is it acrylic that feels lackluster you know for what it should be and then I was like well I really like soft oils you know so I'm like maybe I'll work with that I like getting my hands messy and actually work in the canvas and I'm like, that's just still not what it should be. And I turned to lipstick. I did a little bit of research, and I'm like, it's going to dry pretty much the same as a soft oil. And uh, she came to life. Nice, nice. So That's really cool. I mean, like, also, like you were talking about, like, it almost sounds like, I mean, for one, you come from a very creative family, but it sounds a bit... Was there anything before, I, I kind of say art, you know, painting, doing drawing, anything like that, did you dabble in anything else before art? Because it sounds like basically even if you didn't get into art, you were going to get into something creative. It sounds like it was almost bound to like you were going to do something creatively by the sounds of it. You were around too much of it not to pick up on something. Did you kind of pick up on anything before you kind of found art? Um. So, I mean, on my own, like growing up, like I would make like costumes and stuff, just like weird, random, like easy to do. Um, and... I think actually um, the Green Archer from Gauntlet, I think, was like my first like attempt at making like a costume. And I was like nine years old, but I was obsessed with the game. And I'm like, I can make that. And um, so like Halloween and things like that, I just I enjoyed creating and being, you know, becoming something else. It was always part of me mm-hmm. um but I also really enjoyed music and um I did like recreationally did do singing um and I did go on stage at age 12 um I went to the Colgate contest I believe it was in Frewsburg at the time I think it's I, I don't know if the Colgate contest is still a thing or if it's just a um Chautauqua Idol now oh okay okay um I don't know if the two are separate or if that's what it became but um I was 12 years old went up on stage sang Dixie Chicks and I had a standing ovation and but I uh I ended up getting more into animals and working with animals and that's kind of the the field that I was in for quite some time and still very creative within that because um, I had to be creative in a way of like training dogs and you know finding new ways of doing that different tricks and different things uh, but I also did a series where I was painting dogs in like retro colors so it was like really like kind of cool and I decorated my my studio um with that and so I I never really like stopped I just maybe wasn't like doing it professionally Mm. that's an yeah I mean again yeah it sounds like I mean you know I'm talking artists but yeah you do so many other things that yeah it seems like you probably do a lot you know maybe that art wasn't the first thing you uh you know settled on yeah. How about how about the other, like I mentioned earlier on, but I mean, what other kind of outside of art, what are some of your other like creative outlets? Like if you like think of like creative endeavors and kind of how you get your creativity out, you know, how are some other ways you kind of do that? What other fields do you kind of get your creativity out in? Um, I mean, I think really, I'm, I'm really like a Pandora's box when it comes to creativity um, and manifesting. Like, 
that that could be a whole nother conversation. Um, but I just, it just is a natural thing. It's a natural part of me. Mm. Um, whether it be like creative solutions to things or actually physically being creative and, you know, making art in some way. Um, it's just, I think because I grew up and I had a very vivid imagination and I was allowed to have that, you know, so much now with with children, I'm starting to see where, like, they're not allowed to explore that and be that because then they're, like, odd or something. That's unfortunate. It is. And I think it's such a necessary thing for development and for individuality that we should be allowing that. And, I mean, I definitely benefited from being allowed to. So um, it's really, it's just a, a part of me. There, there isn't one singular like outlet or anything just because it's a constant flow of creativity. That kind of goes into actually, because I was going to ask you that, like as someone who does so much different things, like if you feel like all creativity stems from the same place, or if you almost have different mindsets, like I don't know, say you're doing a painting, if you almost feel like you have to get in a different creative mindset as if you were writing something, you know, or anything like that, or if you feel like basically there's just creative mode and no matter what you're doing, it's all kind of that mode, or if you feel like you almost have to go in different modes depending what kind of creative thing you're doing. So I think, um, yeah, I think I, I definitely, I, I kind of consider myself like a metaphorical shapeshifter um, just because I am able to, like, have a lot of different projects going on and not make them all the same. Mm. Um, I'm able to kind of, I don't know what the, the word would be, but I'm, I'm able to like, I guess, compartmentalize everything and make it its own and put as much creativity into everything all at the same time. That does make sense. So like they're not almost bleeding into like, you can, you can work on this, this, and this, and nothing will kind of be sacrificed because of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like these other two things won't kind of lose something because you're working on this thing. It's how you kind of balance everything, juggle it all kind of at the same time almost. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it can be tricky at times. Um, you know, I think artists are one of the ones that are going to experience the most burnout just because you almost, especially in today's age, you almost have to have that constant flow of, you know, go, go, go. Um, but I just take a step back. I do something that's a little bit more relaxing, maybe a project that I'm not working on. So if I'm doing a lot with painting and creative solutions and uh, dog training, um, just a lot of different things like that, then I'll step out and do something that I also enjoy because I enjoy all of this, but it's nothing that like I'm obligated to do at the moment. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of for a moment, give myself a day to try to relearn the guitar or, you know, go sing at mom's, you know, because she enjoys it or sit and do beads if I'm not, you know, doing a project for something. Um, and so I just kind of rely on all of my individual talents to keep it calm and keep it kind of zen and um, just be able to get everything done. You almost feel like if you just work too much or too long on one thing, you'd almost get burned. Because that does sound like, which I don't know, creatively, I think that does help where like you can work on this for a while, then you go work on this and this. Because, yeah, I feel like if you're only working on that one thing at hand, it seems very easy to get burned out or kind of lose focus on. You know, yeah. If you don't have other places to kind of go. Yeah, and it 
so like being like a culture bearer and um, like working just talking and educating about indigenous issues and indigenous history and trying to correct a lot of things um, because unfortunately this area has a lot of growing up when it comes to knowing the true history of things um, which is kind of sad to think about because we're only like 30 minutes yeah, not far know, at all from from the Seneca Museum and the reservation um, but so I I do get a little bit burned out of like having to constantly like wear that shield and constantly educate um, because I do try to be like a very like safe space you know for questions and everything and I, I do enjoy teaching about it and bringing the information but it it's a lot on a person and uh, so having the ability to through this grant like not just be you know because I'm not being paid to be indigenous you know I'm being paid to be an artist and um, so to be able to have that exhibit where I talked about the paranormal and what I did with the paranormal because uh, I used to I worked a little bit for Nick Groff um, from Ghost Adventures I did oh, wow. yeah I've done um, a lot of paranormal tours for the haunted Hinsdale house um, I've been all over the place, the Conjuring House, Lizzie Borden, like, so I got to kind of talk about that, and that was kind of an outlet in the middle of, you know, trying to educate and bring light. I did still a little bit bring some issues in, you know, where I talked about, you know, where as Indigenous people, we do get boxed into, you have to do all these things to be an Indigenous artist, or you're not, but no, it's not true. I'm still indigenous and I'm still an artist and I didn't do any of those things for this exhibit. And um, I think that was something the students benefited from. Um, I did it around Halloween, so everybody was super interested in that, you know, it's a very like niche thing. And um, we had a lot of fun with it. And so I got to do other forms of art that weren't like directly related to, you know, being native. So I, I really appreciated that, and that was one of the ways that I kind of stemmed out and kind of was able to um, show my other talents, but also relax a little bit. Yeah, have you kind of learned how to do that balance throughout time? Because yeah, I mean, it does. You know, you got a lot of balancing there. I mean, it seems like you have it figured out pretty well now. Do you feel like you always have, or is that kind of a learning experience in itself, trying to figure out how to balance all of this for you? I think because of my time with working with dogs. So I, I had, um, in town, I was, I, I was, am the owner of Any Paws. Um, oh, nice. So I did dog training here locally. And I think working with, you know, dogs who just needed basic obedience to dogs that were very aggressive um, really taught me a lot in regards to like, just how to remain calm. You know, um, I work pretty good in chaos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You kind of have to if you're going to work with aggressive dogs, you know. You, well, mate, yeah. And um, so what it taught me was, you know, if everything's all chaotic and you raise your energy towards that, you're only going to breed more chaos and nothing's <laughs> going to get done. So you have to kind of learn to, like, adjust yourself and remain calm. And um, it, one of the best compliments that I always get is that I'm a very calming person to other people when they're around me. And um, I, I appreciate that compliment a lot because I do, again, I, I like to be that safe space where people can come and ask questions. They might not necessarily always like the answer, <laughs> but, you know, at least they felt safe that they could do it. You have a lot going on. I mean, you know, as we, as we you know, the end of the year here, we're going into the next year. 
you know, as you kind of look back, I mean, what are some highlights for you in your kind of artistic career and what you've done in 2023? Anything kind of like stick out to you as you kind of like look back on the year? Um, I think, you know, working with the students has been extremely rewarding, uh, working with uh, different community members and uh, organizations within the city has been very rewarding. Um, I think, you know, on a personal level, having my hashtags gallery, um, which went up in Olean, um, it was my first exhibit that I had ever like oh, really? had and just to see my art up on the walls and then having people um, and still having people come up to me and tell me you know how powerful the messages are for them uh, I don't think I could replace that feeling um, but I think my proudest moment was when um, so I hosted the um, Six Nations flag raising here in town and um, I organized the whole thing and I brought in the Seneca Nation. So we had uh, official members from the Seneca Nation. We had officials from New York that were here, um, Senator Borrello, Andy Goodell, and Eddie. And um, we, you know, it, just words can't really describe that too much um, because I also had Seneca dancers and singers that were here. And um, just to see them dancing at, at City Hall and in City Hall, because it started raining, so we, everybody went in. Um, that was very like emotional and very powerful, um, specifically for my mom, which I think because I could give that to her, like that was such a, a powerful moment that, again, could never be replaced. So um, she has had like identity issues. Um, she's not white passing at all um and so she can't we, we kind of walk in two different worlds here you know and um so she gets and it she gets normal racism right but then she also gets lateral racism because she lives off of territory um her mom wasn't seneca her mom was Cayuga and blackfoot um and so there's a little bit with that too although she was a adopted by my, my great-grandma and lived in um, Steinberg, went through the removal. Um, she was 10 years old when that happened. And um, she still kind of gets a lot of lateral racism from people. And uh, she almost felt a little bit like removed and erased and like she couldn't be native. And um, during the, the flag raising, she had um, Mo John, who was a, a previous president for the Seneca Nation, remembered her. And he was like, yeah, I remember you and your brother. And he was so happy to see her. And it was like a nice little reunion. And that did so much healing. And so I think that's probably my proudest thing, you know, just to be able to give that back to her, give her her identity back. I, I can't blame you. That's amazing. Yeah. It was really powerful. Yeah. It was really cool. I'm mean, very happy to be able to do something like that when you look back on the year. How about 2024? I mean, how, how far ahead have you kind of looked into the new year? Like, you know, you have anything coming up in the like near future you can talk about? Have you thought much about what's going on next year for you? You know, you seem quite busy from the outside, you know? So I have a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, for J through JCC, I have, um, we're calling it like my TED Talk. Because um, nice. <laughs> I'm going to basically, um, I believe it's the Sherman Theater. Yeah, yeah, JCC. Um, we're going to talk um, 
about everything that I've been doing and kind of give like my life story a little bit um, for all the students and whoever wants to, to come. So it's going to be kind of interesting. Um, I've decided for it so far, like I don't want it to be like a projector behind me and I'm like standing there like, you know, pointing. Um, I think I'm just going to have a few of my exhibits up on stage with me and then kind of have the spotlights more so on them. And um, I'm going to talk about everything that I've, I've done, um, things that kind of shaped me as, as a human and uh, hopefully give some inspiration and um, somebody that they can connect with. Nice. Um, but I'm also so I just started. Um, it's in the it's in the works, so it's coming very soon. I'm working very diligently on it. Um, but here at the business center on Third and Cherry, um, I'm opening up a uh, gallery because um, oh, really? one. So I was running for office this last year, and one of the things while I was door knocking is everybody said that they would love to have like a culture center or something here. And while I didn't get in, um, I'm going to use that momentum and bring one. Um, and so I'm working to bring a arts and culture center, which it is going to be called KCO, um, which has kind of a, I think, a sweet little story behind the name. Um, but it's going to be hopefully the end, uh, like the beginning of spring, kind of the end of winter is what I'm, I'm hoping that it'll be like really open to the public, uh, but it, it's going to be really cool. So I've got like lithic scatter and everything already that I'm going to be having uh, a home for finally and many, many exhibits. Nice. So, and uh, hopefully being able to bring in other artists and have their shows there and just kind of have it grow into maybe even having a Keiko building. Um, oh, nice. So, but you got to start somewhere. And so it's going to be just a, a gallery space for now. And then hopefully we expand and grow and it keeps going. A huge congrats on that. I'm okay. sure I'm sure we'll have you. you back in when that's uh, opening. Come yes. have you back in and talk more about that. Yeah. Where should we uh, you know, send people? Now, I know you're online. Where can we send people to find out more info on you, what you're doing, what you're up to, all that kind of keep uh, updated with everything? Where can we find you? Um, so you can go to um, caseycolburn.com, and as soon as we get it, we're, we're building the website now, but it'll be kco.art, um, and so that'll be specifically for the, the gallery space, and then I guess me as an artist, I'd just be kind of like a brand under Keiko. Um, that's going to be a little bit weird. I haven't quite figured out how that's going to work, but um, the two will be together, I guess, so. Nice, nice. As we uh, close this out, I mean, anything else that we uh, missed? Anything else we should let the people know before we go? I mean, I, th I think we covered quite a lot of ground. I could talk for days, probably. <laughs> um, I think just be kind to yourselves. Um, don't be afraid to be creative. And uh, just because you think your art isn't good doesn't mean others aren't going to. Nice, not a nice way to end that, I feel like. Well, Casey, great having you in. I'm sure we'll have you back in again. I'm Anthony Merchant. I'll be back with more in just a second. You are tuned in to Arts on Fire right here on 1079 WRFA.